Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to your glory, open our hearts to your love and the hurts of this world, and steal our will to follow you, come what may. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I've entitled my sermon this morning, Whose Greatness and Whose Glory? It's rather uh, nice to be watching the Super Bowl this afternoon and have the quarterback someone almost your own age. <laughs> Peyton Manning is great. We're in the midst of an election campaign. It seems uh, maybe fitting that we're, it's maybe one of our Lenten disciplines to have to put up with some of this stuff. Leadership debates and primaries and posturing and accusations and slogans that seem to hide seemingly innocuous sentiments. Wherein lies our greatness? There's an insidious trap of comparison so that greatness doesn't really matter as long as it's greater than the next person. One of the problems I find at school is kids aren't really concerned about what marks they get as long as their marks are better than the rest of the class. They're sometimes not that concerned about learning the material as long as they get good marks better than the next person. They become fiercely competitive and it seems we've generated a system that puts the priority on at least just doing better than the next person rather than finding ways to help the next person. Politicians seem to be appealing to the basest of our instincts, tapping into a degree of frustration and fear, anger, playing to our insecurities and sometimes our greed. What does it mean to be great again? Joel Olstein was recently interviewed by Stephen Colbert. Do you know Stephen Colbert? <laughs> What's the name of that show, The Late Show? And uh, Joel Osteen's written a book called I Am. Now, I think Stephen Colbert probably knows, I'm serious, probably knows his Bible better than Joel Osteen. Uh, he's a very uh, devout Roman Catholic, teaches Sunday school, and is very, very informed. He pointed out at the beginning of the interview that entitling his book I Am could be considered rather presumptuous, being a very sacred name for God the covenant name for God, by which he first revealed himself to Moses. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, tell them, I am sent you. It seemed to be lost on Joel, but he said, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, we should say things to ourselves, positive things. I am strong. I am good. And Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Colbert said, I say it all the time. I'm stupid. <laughs> The TV and Hollywood have a great way of portraying the church and priests in particular as uh, either bumbling or evil. And now there's a new TV show called Lucifer, which portrays Satan as rather a good guy who goes around helping people. So things get twisted around. What does it mean? How easily we are lured and duped by the world's definition of greatness and how easily we can strive to be the designer and creator of our own reality and our own greatness. So what should be our definition of great? Well, Jesus, of course, when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, 
put a child in their midst and said, this is what you need to become like to enter the kingdom of God. In the eyes of God, who is great? What happened to defining great along the lines of the seven virtues? Faith, hope, and love. Restraint and modesty. Self-sacrifice and self-denial. Greatness defined by compassion and generosity and seeking for justice for all. Well, let's turn to the morning's gospel reading, the wonderful story of the transfiguration. And I think if you want to follow along in your bulletin, it's in there. I think we'll find it deeply liberating to see ourselves in proper perspective. We don't generate our own greatness or glory, but rather we find and discover it when we discover our true relationship to God. If you just look at the first couple of verses, about eight days after Peter, Jesus as Christ, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray and while he was praying. I think it's important to realize the context of this story, while he was praying. My question to you as we approach Lent is, where do you go to pray? Jesus didn't seem to pray on the run. He seemed to find isolated places at times, places apart, places where he could be free from distraction and pray. And I must confess, a great majority of my prayers are prayers on the run. Secondly, who do you take with you when you go to prayer? Has it become for you a solitary exercise? Or are you joining arms with your brothers and sisters, people who will help you? people who will encourage you, people who will hold you accountable. And thirdly, what happens when you pray? What do you expect to happen? When Jesus prayed, his face was transformed. Do you expect that you might be transformed when you go to prayer? What would happen in our country if instead of preening and posturing, our politicians spent more time in prayer before God? seeking God's plan for us as a nation, rather than just promoting their own platform. In this gospel passage about the transfiguration of Jesus, having a view and a glimpse of his glory and his greatness, it's important to remember the flow of scripture. At the end of chapter 8, he calms the storm and his disciples say, who is this? He then travels outside of the uh, area of Israel and meets a demoniac who knows who he is. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He then goes on the story of Herod. Herod's wondering, who is this? Is this John? I thought I killed John. Is it Elijah? Who is this? He goes on further and he's praying by himself and he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And again, they say, you'll notice Elijah keeps coming up in these stories. They say, John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets of old. And then he turns to the disciples themselves and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, the Christ of God. Now what happens is that he reveals, now that he's got that clear, their understanding, because when we come to the transfiguration, we're going to hear what God has to say about Jesus. God's affirmation of who he is. But this is bracketed by Jesus 
telling people that he's about to be rejected and suffer and die and rise again. And that same uh, points are brought up right after the transfiguration story. So it's bracketed. His glory and his greatness is not so much that he is a wonderful person of position and power, but that this person of position and power was willing to come to our earth and be rejected by us and suffer death and be rise, rose, risen again. He then goes on after this first time he says, I'll be suffered. He then calls us to follow him. Now, in the story of the transfiguration, Peter and James and John, or Peter says, hey, let's make a tent. Let's like keep this experience going. Let's, let's like let it settle with us and just enjoy it ourselves. Well, then the cloud comes over and the, and the voice says, this is my son, listen to him. And then all of a sudden, it's Jesus alone again. Just like we so often are alone again. Well, we have what it takes to be faithful and to follow him. And so this, per, this picture of Jesus revealed in his glory, when he calls people to take up your cross and follow me, he says, if you're ashamed of me and my words, when I come, I will be ashamed of you when I come in my glory. So this theme of glory is a lead in into the transfiguration story. And so we find out who we are when we understand who Jesus is. This story is about who is this person? What does it mean to see his glory and to be called to reflect his glory? We shouldn't take lightly walking into God's presence in his holiness. And I think when we do prepare to follow him, people say we would be singed by his glory or scorched. Bruce Coburn has a song about rumors of glory. Put your hand in, pull it back, scorched. But underneath is something better than gold. And he brings out the image of God within us. And so my question then for Lent. As we seek as a church to reflect true greatness, as we seek to reflect the glory of God through our lives, the image of God within us, where will you pray this Lent? Who will you ask to join you? And what will happen when you pray? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.